Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Small Talk No More. I'm Alex and today I've got with me Marlene Holbrook from Musical Eye. Hello, Marlene. Hi, Alex. Hi, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. No, no worries. Um, just a quick note for everyone. We've spent like probably 35 minutes trying to make this interview work because of technology. So it's been an absolute pain. But um, thank you for your yeah. patience, Marlene. It's, uh, yeah. Tricky sometimes with technology, but hey, uh, Marlene, would you like to kick it off, uh, letting us know who Marlene is and what's your experience? Yes. Um, hi, dear listeners. <laughs> I'm Marlene. Um, I work for Music Ally here in London. My first job in the music industry was in the brand partnerships department of Universal. So did an internship there in Germany then continued working in the department in Switzerland. And then in 2017, I moved to London and mm. eventually started working for Music Ally. And yeah, I'm also managing a band called Fields with Caps. Amazing. So you've been traveling the world. Yes. Just, sort of. <laughs> just like a touring artist. Um, oh yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that would be cool. So, um, Marlene, we always start the interviews with the quick icebreaker game. And uh, there's, you know, a few short questions with short answers. And uh, that will just help us to understand who Marlene is and, you know, what you like and what you don't like. Um, so, are you ready for the game? I am. Cool. So, let's get started with what's your favorite song or album? So, I think it's hard to say favorite song overall. So, I'm going to say my favorite song for the last year was definitely Jolly Pass, Don't Start Now. Okay. Amazing song. I even started loving it more after I heard the Switched on Pop podcast episode about it. Mm. And always, yeah, giving me good, good vibes. I think if you ask all of my friends, they're going to tell you I've always, I'm always putting it on. So that's cool. Really good baseline. I think it's got a really good baseline there. Yeah, it has so much power. Yeah. Um, okay, so next is, are you a morning or an evening person? Well, I couldn't say that I'm a morning person in terms of like, I love getting up early in the morning, but <laughs> I, I do prefer mornings over evenings. I just like the kind of mood of everything is still ahead of you and it's a bit mm. busy. Everyone is out and about and I like the dynamics of a morning. Okay. And um, in terms of um, going out, do you prefer acoustic gig or a rave? I would have to say a rave, I think. Interesting. Um, yeah. Just always been to raves with my friends. So for me, it's like a good time to spend time with friends, have fun, dance. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, weird question. Um, SpongeBob or Patrick, who do you identify with? I would say Patrick. <laughs> very genuine. <laughs> and positive so i would hope that i could identify with these characteristics as well <laughs> okay um next is if you if your work would allow you to live in any country in the world where would you go hmm. well i am a city person and i've even though i've never been i think i would love to like live or work in new york but okay. that being said, I didn't, wouldn't really want to live in the US. So um, <laughs> alternative, alternatively, um, I think maybe somewhere in Latin America. So 
been to Colombia last year with work and nice. Okay, that's really really interesting. Um, do you know I've, I've got family in, in South America and Argentina. I've, I've never gone to see them, never, and that's so horrible. I've spent all my holidays in Asia. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, now I feel like at this moment in time, everyone is just like, oh, I should go there, I should go there. And then we remember that we can't really do that at the yeah. moment and it makes us want to go abroad even more. Okay. Um, any particular place in South America that you'd like to, to be? Um, I haven't traveled there that much, so I've just been to Colombia that one time. So I would have to do some research around uh, yeah, where to go exactly. have to travel cool. first to decide, yeah. Okay, fair point. Um, next question. Uh, what's your least favorite sport? <laughs> <laughs> so watching or doing myself? Uh, doing yourself. Um, running. <laughs> <laughs> hate running, but I've, I'm proud that I've managed to start running now. So it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> okay. Is it, is it a lockdown thing that you just got started? Yeah. 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 It's a lockdown oh. thing. Because otherwise, you, if you look at your steps of the day, mm. it's very... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> okay, so um moving on, what uh tell us one thing that you cannot live without. Um chocolate. <laughs> I do have to eat like a piece of chocolate every day. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I need it. The sweet tooth. Okay. Sugar. So yeah. <laughs> on on the other on the other side, uh what's one thing that you'd like to live without? Oh, oh, I would love, like, is this a question of, like, my personal kind of surroundings or can it be more broad? In general, something that you'd like to get rid of in your life. I think I would love to get rid of, like, negativity and trolls. So people just, you know, writing negative stuff to people online, if that's a musician or, like, just people that are in the public eye. I think Mm. that's very, so toxic and unnecessary. Interesting. Um, I'm going to throw you a bit of a philosophical question there. So if there were no trolls or negativity, how would we then be able to identify the positive ones and the loyal ones? Oh, that's true. So it's that a question of like, if, if there is no salad, how can you appreciate the fries in your life? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard yeah. it like this. That sounds really cool. <laughs> that's absolutely right. But maybe there could be some slighter negativity something that's a bit negative to see the positive side but not as destructive Mm. okay fair point um let's move on to last two questions one of them is um do you prefer friends or how i met your mother so i used to love how i met your mother like when it was on but Mm. i think friends is more timeless okay so i can always watch friends it's just Still makes me laugh all the time, so it's great. Cool. And then last one is, what's the best thing about working in music? I think the best thing about working in music is that you can play a small part in something that's so emotional and essential for most people's everyday life. And Mm -hmm. it impacts everyone, um, every, yeah, like, you know, when you're young and... It impacts on your friendships, your emotions, how you develop. So I think that's really great playing a part in that little one. I quite like that that emotional side to it, actually. Um, I I always thought that what I like about 
working in music is just the fact that I get to, you know, just uh, be part of a community, you know, the, f- the fact that you can talk to someone the same language exactly. And yeah. the fact that you, it's the first time that you meet someone and then you say, hey, this is my favorite band. You're like, that's my favorite band. And then you become friends forever. And yeah. that is what is really cool. But I think that the fact that you're saying my, my you know, my purpose are a bit bigger. It's just the fact that I like being part of something that will impact, you know, generations that will impact people and relationships, et cetera. So yeah, even, you know, for obviously for some artists, it's going to have like a bigger impact. And then for some, it's maybe just they have five super fans and, and they mm. really care about them and they, their music really helped them in some way or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great. Cool. Okay, so um, let's take it to the main part of the chat. And in this case, I'm going to be picking your brains, especially your expertise, which is digital aspect. And so, um, you know, you work with Music Alive, very relevant and very strong uh, presence in everything to do with um, the digital world. And so I'd like to know what your perspective has been this year so far. Obviously, there's been a lot of stuff going on that you know from no no gigs or live performances um because of lockdown we've obviously had the black lives matter movement and there's been a lot of things going on that have been yeah. impacting the industry so what has been your experience with all of these issues going on um well i think in terms of the um yeah coronavirus um, pandemic. Yeah. Um, we're, we're a small company, and I'm I'm really happy that we managed uh, are still managing to go through it um, relatively well. I'm really happy and, and grateful for that. Um, we were luck- lucky to some extent because so we've been doing training for um, the music industry for for many many years, and um, previously we've done that in, only in person. Uh, and then we switched to, so we did like, or well, we're still doing workshops for like management companies or record labels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years ago, or until one year ago, um, we also, we've also done some live webinars, which we're also still doing, but we then switched last year to like a completely on-demand um, training hub where mm-hmm. we have like lots of different training modules on all things digital marketing. And it was actually when lockdown happened, I think in a way um, it was good because we were prepared for that because we had already launched this uh, online learning hub and obviously everyone was stuck at home. Many people had more times on their hands. Many people were keen to learn more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good for us in that respect um, that we already had yeah, that built. But then on the other hand, of course, because we're also doing marketing services specifically around like digital strategy, I guess there there was or is a fear that for many people or for many artists, life is their main income stream. Mm-hmm. Um, or also things like public performance royalties, which dried up a little bit. Um, and I think it was just like trying to see where this is heading. Do still people, people still have the, the resources to pay for someone for the digital strategy? Yeah. On the other hand, probably... Uh, we were even more relevant than before because everyone was focusing so much on digital and was saying like, okay, we need, we need to do something innovative. Um, we need to really focus on building our digital profile and, and connecting with fans there. So mm-hmm. um, in that respect, it was really good that um, they came to us and asked us for advice. Okay. So um, talking about that, what, 
what has been a interesting application of that sort of strategy? So if someone came to you and during this time and they said, you know, we need to make use of uh, what you mentioned earlier, the fact that a lot of people are going to spend time at home and, you know, probably we can charge less for a ticket if, if the gig is, is uh, online. So mm-hmm. um, has there been anything in particular that um, you've implemented, anything that you wouldn't <clears throat> have thought of before just in order to attract a larger audience that has access to concerts and music online? Um, implemented not so much. We were advising more around it. So. Okay. I think, um, yeah, especially right in the beginning, a lot of our clients were asking, as I said, like, okay, what can we do? But also what can we do that has an impact? Mm-hmm. Um, so we were looking a lot at, um, yeah, artists that are doing inspiring things such as Charlie XCX, one of the best yeah. examples, of course, um, who completely like involved her fans in the campaign. And I think that is something that I've been seeing across the board from interesting campaigns, I'm really focusing on involving fans in the campaign because just like us, they're at home, they have more time um, and there's so much power behind it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if you involve them in the campaign and they create UGC content, um, UGC, then um, you can use that uh, on your digital channels like Instagram. You can use that on YouTube where it's now, they've just released their um, new YouTube analytics for artists mm-hmm. um, where now actually UGC um, contributes to an artist's YouTube views. So okay. I think that's so, so important. Like, even before that, people were trying to do things like remix competitions or here's my, you know, here's a kit of stuff and you can use the stems and you can use the artwork and you can create something with it. But I think now, um, especially since YouTube has introduced that, um, it's also important to double down on this and encourage fans to co-create mm-hmm. because you can see it on TikTok as well. Co-creation is something so important. Um, it's something that's active, not passive, and it can like have um, you can reach more fans through that and more audiences. So, so do you think um, it's going to become more important now for artists of any level to actually? Um, you know, be on that same level as the fans and, you know, liaise with them directly and try to build that personal relationship with them in order to be able to produce that um, collaborative content. Yeah, and I think that can sometimes be kind of the the feeling that, oh, I don't want to ask my fans to do something because it seems tacky or maybe they mm. are not going to do it. And, of course, it should be something that you, like, think about carefully and it should be a good concept that's uh, actually you know, that people actually want to be involved with. I mm. think if, if you take that from kind of the TikTok perspective as well, it's like if you're going to launch a challenge or something, but it doesn't, it's not really interesting to get involved. No one will get involved. Yeah. So it's all about actually creating something where people are like, oh, this is fun or this is creative and I would like to participate, but not being lazy and just saying, oh, here, do this for me, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really thinking about, thinking about the perspective of the fan and thinking, okay, what would they want to participate in? So um, talking about that, for example, um, you already mentioned the Charlie XX example. Is there anything um, in terms of the, that collaborative uh, process between fans and artists that you've seen that was really interesting and very impactful during this time? Um, you mean in the Charlie example or besides Charlie? Just besides Charlie. 
Um, I think I saw that Glass Animals did something cool. So they did like mm -hmm. a remix competition um, where they then, they had like a kind of best off on their Instagram stories. They also had like a YouTube video where band members were just sitting in their car and listening to all of the remixes. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of integrates all of that quite well. So having more content, having people wanting to share about the campaign because they're in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Something that I'd like to ask you actually is the fact that now there's a lot of speculation and, and, and around the fact that TikTok might be banned in the US. Mm -hmm. Nothing's really fully confirmed, but um, obviously if anything like this ended up happening, there would be obviously a, a loss of a channel for promotion or collaboration with fans. So mm -hmm. um, what do you think could be a uh, impactful or efficient way to still collaborate with fans even though there's a channel, for example, that's not working anymore or people are not engaged on that channel? Yeah, I mean, if they are, well, they, if they are banning it in the US, which they're talking about, um, mm. Trump gave the, a deadline, um, they, uh, both Oracle and Microsoft are in talks to buy the US part of TikTok. I don't know how all of that then works with kind of completely getting rid of the connection to China and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if they were to buy it and it all works out, then it's still there. If not, let's say it wasn't available in the US, it would still be available in lots of other countries. And it's um, okay, it was banned in India as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows, it might come back. Um, but it's big in, you know, it's big in the UK, it's big in Germany, it's big in Brazil, it's one of the yeah, biggest growth territories. But besides that, there are a lot of um, platforms that are currently doing something similar, like TikTok. Yeah. Um, and this could either be copycats, but maybe they're actually creating something that's even more interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to kind of look at the other apps out there that are doing something interesting. You know, if that's um, yeah, a thriller, of course, who's like the kind of biggest maybe competitor besides Reels, which mm -hmm. is not really hasn't really been taken, taken off, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they don't have the for you page, yeah. Right? Like TikTok is all about the for you page, and Reels doesn't really have that. But I think it's just important to look at interesting startups and interesting companies that are taking the same approach of like social content that integrates music, um, but that also maybe do something slightly different. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's something we do a lot at Music Ally, just looking at kind of the next companies and the next startup rather than mm -hmm. only focusing on the ones that are already there. And I think people that can do that and that can see potential in these platforms mm -hmm. um, and get on there early, they are the ones that will benefit most in the future. Yeah. There's one, for example, that's kind of similar to TikTok, but um, is not, it's more focused on actual music creation. So mm -hmm. partnering people that write songs and that create beats uh, and yeah enabling this collaboration online in the format of 15 second short form videos and mm. hashtag challenges around song creation. Uh, of course, now I forgot the name of it. <laughs> Let me look on my phone. I have it here. Oh yeah. Voisey. Voisey. So, Voisey. I don't know if you heard about it. Um, I think that's a really interesting one. Um, that's not completely doing this, the same thing as TikTok, but having a similar format, but more focused on actual music because mm -hmm. TikTok is not a platform that's built for just music. It's just yeah. using music a lot. Mm -hmm. 
And um, something that I'd like to find out. So, you know, we, we already spoke about uh, the fact that um, music creators, a, a lot of them, um, uh, the main income comes from live performing. And obviously there's not a lot that can be done right now. Um, and obviously uh, music lies expertise is the digital world. So do you think that right now, even though there's not much possibility for live performance, do you think that the digital an online um, aspect of things offers more of an opportunity or do you think it's going to be more challenging because more people are going to go towards that? Towards uh, doing gigs online? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, it's right. Like when it started out, everyone was just doing the Instagram, um, Instagram live, live streams. And now, and then slowly, slowly people are starting to realize that actually um, you could also get t- do ticketed live streams which in the beginning i think many were um yeah wary of uh, and i think now there's a clear trend towards seeing that you have to do something a bit more creative so having like a really good production value maybe even including something like mixed reality or virtual reality to create mm. something that's a bit more interesting and adds value to the experience um so yeah i think it's about first of all having like a good production value Mm-hmm. Um, and the right setup, then maybe having like a nice idea around it, something like, you know, doing like different shows in different time zones or um, limiting the tickets, something like that, and involving new technologies. And then I think it's also about like properly promoting the live stream and not just expecting people to, to uh, show up. Yeah. And there are new companies that already, that have already emerged that are focusing on exactly that, like, um, producing these live streams, promoting them and coming up with some more interesting ideas. So I think that will be key. Cool. Um, so Marlin, if, um, if you're mind, I'd like just to wrap up the, this chat. Um, yeah. More advice. So we've spoken about insights and, you know, you've just spoken about uh, what can happen and what's happened and um, loads of really interesting information. So I would like now your personal uh, advice. And in this particular would be to marketing ex- uh, marketing professionals in the music industry. So can you yeah. give your top three tips for any marketing professional working in music? Yeah. So I think, first of all, we are still chasing numbers that much, you know, like we're always looking mm. at how many streams, how many followers, how many views. But I think in isolation, that doesn't really tell us much um, yeah. without data, like skip rate, uh, skip rate of a song. We don't really know how much someone enjoyed it. Mm. Um, also, followers can be fickle, you know, like they always follow, unfollow these kind of things. Yeah. So I think... And, and also when it comes to views on YouTube, for example, you never know how much money people spend on uh, advertising so it's really like you don't really get the full picture of how um, fans are responding or audiences are responding to it so I think it's really important to even if it's slower focus more on sustained fan building and really trying to understand who the audience is and trying to make sure that once someone has shown interest to continue to market to them and to make sure that you deepen the relationship with the artist and not just forget about them because now they have followed or now they have streamed, but really making sure that that they see all of your posts, you deliver exciting things to them and um, really, really convert them into a true fan. I think, um, yeah, that's important. Um, as a second tip, I would say that... Um, 
YouTube is still very underutilized if I look mm -hmm. at it. So um, we many, many artists are still only uploading either, you know, every now and then a music video or maybe yeah. behind the scenes or something like that. But if you look at the really big YouTube channels, you can see they have a constant stream of content and they do many different things from like lyric videos in different languages for their key markets mm. or like really creative ideas um, for various videos around one song. There's so much more potential. And I think in one way you have, you kind of have more control over your growth on, on YouTube than you have on other streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. um, so I think really focusing on YouTube a lot and utilizing it more is something that I would encourage everyone to do. Okay. Um, and then as a last, last tip, I would say, yeah, get to grips with the platforms and trends of tomorrow. Or like some of them are already here. We've talked about it earlier, like gaming. Yeah. Fortnite is already super big. Roblox is already really, really big, but still a lot of people don't know about it or don't understand it. Or they, they maybe don't want to believe how important these games and these platforms will be. Or they, they struggle to understand why um, someone would watch a concert, a virtual concert, concert inside a game and then buy a virtual piece of merchandise. But the truth is, I think that people do that and young people will be used to that at one point. They will have grown up buying virtual pieces of merchandise, just mm -hmm. like we've grown up buying physical pieces of merchandise. Yeah. So I think by neglecting that and by just thinking like, oh, it's, you know, it's just a little trend and it's going to stop and it's not that, um, not that big. Uh, I think many are missing out and it's important to really focus on that as well. Mm, absolutely. Um, I think that that's, uh, that, that, those two last points, I think, are really important. Um, I think that I'm within, I'm, I'm guilty of being within that group of people that don't utilize YouTube to, to its maximum uh, potential. Uh, just because a lot of work, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge amount of work, obviously. Yeah. And, and then that point about the gaming side, I think this is really important. And I kind of feel that a lot of the times we, don't want to accept the fact that something that's really strange or probably difficult to understand can stay there forever. Uh, when yeah. I was a kid and I would play video games, then my parents would tell me, you know, don't waste your time like that. Then last year, I think it was, this 12-year-old kid became a millionaire from playing video games. And it was all over the news from playing Fortnite. Yeah. And it's, it's that sort of thing. It's the fact that, um, you know, there's, there's things that we need to, I think, keep an open mind. and you know, like the same, I had a close mind towards the YouTube side of things. And um, you explained it earlier really well. I'm just going to go over this interview and trying to properly. <laughs> I think that there's really valuable information here, Marlon. So yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Marlon. Thank you so much for, first of all, your patience. It took us like 30 minutes to sort this out, but we made it. And um, yeah. thanks so much for your, your insights and your experience. Thank you again. And uh, thank you everyone for joining for another chat of Small Talk No More. I'm Alex and I'll see you next episode.